Welcome to the Dewhawk Digest, the podcast for all things Loras College. Longtime professor of criminal justice Len Decker is retiring after 36 years at Loras College. In this episode, he reflects on his Loras career and shares some plans for the years ahead. I'm Robert Waterbury, Assistant Director of Campus Communications, and I'm pleased to welcome the aforementioned Len Decker to the show. Len, welcome to the Dewhawk Digest. Thanks, Robert. It's great to be here. I appreciate the invitation, and I'm looking forward to chatting about my time here at Lars. Well, I'm, I'm glad you could pull yourself away from retirement to... Uh, <laughs> it was a tough gig, but I did it. <laughs> <laughs> Come in and, and chat with me. So uh, congratulations on your retirement. You and I have not talked since, uh, since you've officially retired, but how does it feel to actually be... Yeah, I mean, your situation is a little bit different because you're still connected to Loris, but how does it feel when you when you finish? How does it feel to actually be, um, well, I'm retired now? It feels very good. It's, it's, it feels different also. Uh, don't have to get up to the alarm going off at 5 o'clock in the morning, which I really appreciate now. And, uh, and uh, you know, it's nice to have more time to spend with my wife and do a few things spontaneously, take a few trips here and there and have people come to visit and our son and his our grandkids come to visit and we can go visit them. So uh, it's it's been great. I really have enjoyed it so far as has my wife and so we're, we're pretty happy, pretty Good. happy in retirement. Well, you couldn't ask for anything more than that. That's, that's exactly how it should be, right? <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think yeah. so. Uh, working out well so far. Good, good. Well, well, we're gonna we're gonna turn back the clock first, and we're gonna roll back to the start of those thirty six years. And when you came to Loris, what what brought you to Loris College in the first place? Um, Loris has. I was an undergraduate here at Loris and graduated in nineteen seventy four, and so um, I went immediately to the University of Nebraska at Omaha to get my master's. That was a two year stint out there. And then a good friend and colleague of mine, Mike Buddy, and Father O'Hara were in the sociology program at that time, possibly also uh, Father Hamilton. And Father O'Hara was still working on his PhD at Fordham University and, and wasn't going to be done uh, to come back at the time scheduled. So Mike asked me if I'd be interested in coming back to Loris just to teach that one year and, and see, because he knew I wanted to teach uh, college. And so... Um, uh, my Mike and, and my wife kind of encouraged me to do that because I wanted to continue right on in graduate school. But I came back and I taught a year uh, in the sociology program and really enjoyed it. Got a taste of what it was like, a hectic year, teaching courses I really didn't necessarily know a whole lot about. And I was uh, just a couple years older than students. Uh, but I really enjoyed it and knew that that's what I wanted to do. And so, you know, after I got my Ph.D. and went and taught a few, a couple of other places, uh, an opportunity, a position came open at Loris, and I applied. And I was fortunate enough to be picked to, to come back to Loris in 1985. Okay. What, well, uh, for that one year that you're here, shortly after your master's degree, how much did that influence you coming back later and starting your career? Uh, a great deal. Yeah. A great deal. Uh, I knew that Loris would, uh, would be a good fit for me in terms of my teaching, commitment to teaching, and wanting to be in the classroom and interact with the students. Uh, I enjoyed my discipline of sociology at that time. Well, still do, but I've branched out to criminal mm -hmm. justice. But, but nonetheless, it was, I think it was very instrumental in kind of saying, this is what I want to do, this is what I need to do. Uh, I'd really like to do it at Loris okay. uh, because I'm very comfortable at Loris, and Loris has a great academic reputation, and uh, so I was very, very pleased to be able to come back. 
Well, and you're able to experience ultimately three times over, once as an undergraduate, yeah. once as you know, that one year kind of teaching. So you, you transition, and as you said, the students aren't much younger than you at that point, and then you come back later. So what's, what was the evolution of, of Loris in that short time from being an undergrad to becoming a full-time oh. professor? Well, probably one of the, the biggest things is that Loris had gone co-ed in the early 1970s, and so that added a whole new dimension to the institution. And I think as time, time went by, there was a greater emphasis on uh, you know, en enhanced uh, faculty professional development uh, expanding into new majors, you know, for students, uh, you know, to uh, prepare students for careers. Uh, and the experiential learning was still was going on at that point in time with such things as practicum and internships in various types of majors. And I think that that has really grown and evolved and developed uh, into a very co vital component of the educational process right now. And, and so the, the programs that have been developed, uh, the orientation toward preparing students for professional careers, uh, the enhancement uh, of academic standards, and, and the uh, proliferation of extracurricular activities for students, the physical transformation of the campus in terms of the buildings uh, that exist and the new, new construction, and again, to foster various types of student development, the spiritual aspect of the institution, have all really, I think, gone to several levels far and above uh, what they were when I was here as a student okay. and, and an early early faculty member here at Lars. Sure. So looking at the, those early years, was there anybody, any um, uh, other faculty members who really kind of helped kind of get you settled and kind of helped uh, get yeah. you get you moving forward? Uh, well, Mike Buddy was certainly sure. an important mentor for me because uh, I had been a student of his and his when he first started teaching at Loris here in the early 70s. Um, you know, uh, Father O'Hara uh, was instrumental also. I think I was teaching alongside of him in a few classrooms. Um, Mar Fagerlin was in the social work program and uh, had many conversations conversations with him, but then also uh, there were other faculty, you know, Jane, uh, Jim White in history. Um, um, there was uh, some economists. I'm trying to think. Who were the, oh, Laddie Sula. Laddie Sula was here. Uh, Dennis O'Connor was here. Um, uh, you know, many people in the you know in the social science area. You know, were the folks that I really appreciated being around mm -hmm. and, and talking to political science folks. Dick Clark uh, was pretty instrumental. Talk talked to him a lot also as a new faculty member. But uh, the other thing I should mention too that was that was, that really helped me get me grounded here at Loris is that Mike had started a research center called the Center for Business and Social Research, and so we st I st worked with him as well as other faculty and students doing applied research right away when I started here at Loris. Okay. And that continued on for uh, 25 years. So uh, so that was an in integral part of my career here at Loris also. Sure, it's just another way to kind of invest yourself into into the profession. Absolutely. Yes, exactly. And that, that applied dimension, uh, I think, has become very strong not only in sociology, but many disciplines now have an applied branch to them uh, where you take that knowledge and theory that's developed within the discipline and apply it to address issues, solve problems, uh, help communities in the various types of needs that they have uh, with, with uh, information that can help them make uh, good decisions. Okay. And so that's a, I think that's a very strong tradition that's carried on as part of, the, part of Loris and its connection to the community. Okay. Is there, it sounds like that would be a, a major component as kind of what's kept you here 
as long as you, I mean, it's, it's one thing to, to, to start teaching and, and then it's another thing to stay here for 36 years and continue to uh, move forward with it. Is, is what really kept you at Loris? Um, well, first of all, the, the, the students and my teaching, uh, I just really enjoyed. And, um, you know, my colleagues, having good relationships with them, uh, you know, it was always very, very, very rewarding. And then the Research Center also helped also in terms of uh, Mike left Loris in 1988 to uh, establish a telemarketing firm. And then um, I became director of the Research Center. And, and so in that position kind of put me solidly in, in terms of if this organization is going to continue on, you know, I, I need to work with other faculty and students and continue this work. So that, that really kind of helped ground me in terms of staying on along with my teaching and committee work and student advising. And, and uh, the other fact, too, uh, um, I just lived down the street on Alta Vista so I could walk to work all the time, <laughs> walk up to my office in Hennessy. So, I mean, it was... It was a very good arrangement, I thought, and and so uh, you know everything from uh, the work I did in the research center, the classroom, the advising, the committee work, the relations with uh, colleagues, uh, getting to know students in a variety of ways, both in the classroom and then a lot of the students became uh, workers in the in the research center, and so that added a kind of different dimension to getting to know students and, mm -hmm. and working with them at a different level as they worked with me in terms of doing surveys, coding data, doing interviews, you know, the, that type of thing. Okay. So you mentioned becoming division chair. Was that another factor in remaining at Loris? Uh, yes, Robert. I really uh, enjoyed becoming d division chair. The, the research center had come to an end, and now it was time to maybe take on a more uh, leadership role here, at camp here on campus. And so the um, criminal justice was located in the Division of Teacher Education and Behavioral Sciences. And I was encouraged by some of my colleagues there to consider becoming a division chair. So I did that, I believe, for eight years and, and really enjoyed that, that capacity of, of working with faculty within the division, learning more about them, their programs, uh, academic issues that impact the division, uh, working with faculty one-on-one -on -one as necessary. Um, I learned an awful lot, remember about that transition I talked about from sage on the stage to active learning. I would, I would observe my colleagues uh, in their classrooms and learned a lot about that new style of teaching mm -hmm. uh, by watching my fellow uh, division mates uh, in terms of how they, how they handled their classrooms. So it was, a, it was just a, a great uh, experience, growth experience for me to be a division chair and work with faculty individually and collectively as part of a division and to be exposed to some, some great uh, educators uh, in the classroom by observing what they did, what they did with their students and their teaching their subject matter. So you, you mentioned, so you started off in sociology, moved into eventually into to criminal justice. And, and currently, you know, obviously with criminal justice, there's, a, there's, an, there's an ongoing evolution of the public view of public service uh, in terms of criminal justice, whether it's the justice system, police work, things like that. Uh, and as you look at the end of your career, what, what you taught your final couple of years, as opposed to how you taught when you first start, what really, what's really changed in, in the criminal justice uh, profession to you? Uh, I would mention that we started the criminal justice program in the late 90s. Mm -hmm. Our first graduate was uh, uh, graduated with a CJ degree in 1997. And 
While the applied aspect of the criminal justice major has always been there from the beginning in terms of the internship requirement that we have for the major, what has really, I think, taken the front stage in, in the field of criminal justice right now are ethical considerations. Um, we have so many issues and so many concerns about ethics, whether it's in law enforcement, whether it's in terms of the judiciary and the courts, or in the correctional system in terms of how we work with folks who have been found guilty of engaging in crimes. And, and there's so many uh, challenges um, to the system because we have so many, uh, so many perhaps glaring examples in which you know, ethical, moral behavior has not been observed by those in the system. But at the same time, the vast majority of, of criminal justice professionals do an outstanding job in very difficult situations. And, and so when these other high-profile types of things come along, it really you know, makes, makes it tough you know, for the professionals uh, that do a good job. And they're the first ones to, to, not, uh, to, to not want anything to do with folks that don't do their job according to the law and due mm -hmm. process and that type of thing. So I, to go back to your original question, Robert, I guess I would say that it's that tremendous emphasis on professionalization, um, respect for the law, uh, ethical decision-making, uh, which is one of the dispositions here at Loris, which I think we do a very good job of in terms of promoting in criminal justice as well as other fields, that that has become uh, front and center in terms of dealing with the issues that have come forth as well as the injustices and the ongoing uh, inequalities that exist in the system and trying to address them and, and give, give students a perspective on that. And here are the issues that are involved and here's some where that critical decision-making uh, comes in in terms of how can we address these uh, address these issues to remedy these issues remedy these problems sure and kind of stressing that there is a lot of nuance not everything is black and white yes exactly yeah. exactly yeah. Mm -hmm. um, some things are in terms of certain <laughs> behaviors that they, uh, but but yes there, there's a lot of discretion a lot of discretion on mm -hmm. the part of those who work in the field of criminal justice and the emphasis is should be on using that discretion in a in, a, in an ethical professional um, uh, respect for the law manner. Sure. So over 36 years, in addition to not just criminal justice and, and the way things are teaching, but just what have you seen that that's really stood out that like, man, this is a lot different now than when it was when I started. What's okay. what's really like, wow, yeah, this is this, it looks a little different than it used sure. to do. Yeah. Used to. Well, the, the biggest thing for me is um, when I started my teaching career, I put all my time and energy into uh, doing a, trying to do a good job as a lecturer mm -hmm. and, you know, go up to the, the podium and present information and ask questions and try to pull things together in the classroom and, you know, somewhat the Socratic method, asking students questions about this, uh, this, that, and the other thing, and, and drawing connections and making sure material is presented clearly, concisely, answering questions, that type of thing. And now we've moved much toward, much more toward a student-oriented learning process, active learning, um, um, you know, which. Uh, uh, which certainly is, is different than what I was perhaps encouraged to do or trained to do or practiced in terms of my early teaching careers. And so you, you bring in some opportunities for students to engage in the, the learning process in the classroom um, and to engage in exercises in the classroom and to respond to issues uh, um, that you guide them through in one way or another. And so it's becomes much more directed at them, their pace of learning, the different ways that they learn, um, as opposed to the what they call this the sage on the stage approach, uh, mm -hmm. which was certainly uh, mine, you know, for 
the vast majority of time that I was at Loris. So that, that, that's certainly been a, a game changer sure. for me. Yeah, I, I could see that. Career. <laughs> <laughs> that's a bit of an abrupt shift, but yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, so, the, and, and, the, and the, the students asking different kinds of questions, um, uh, the students also being much more uh, oriented toward professions and careers and what's going on out there in the real world, you know, if you will. Mm -hmm. and, and again, I think what we've done is that's been another major shift within education, no matter what the major, uh, that students have opportunities to, you know, apply their knowledge, uh, apply their knowledge, especially in an internship setting. Okay. Um, when you kind of think back, are there any experiences or memories that really stand out to you? Like, like man, this is this is great. I really, you know, kind of define kind of what your Loris experience was like. Um, I guess I'd uh, let me see if a couple of things. Just some just some really successful experiences in the classroom that I remember. Um, one of the last courses I taught here at Loris was uh, criminal justice ethics. Uh, ethics in the criminal justice system, and that really has been an was an energizing, intellectually stimulating, you know, type of topic for me to address uh, here at Loris. Um, overseeing the internships has always been always been a, a great uh, experience for me. Um, it's interesting how students, uh, how some students um, that maybe are not the strongest in the classroom. When you put them in an agency setting with guidelines and what, in terms of what they're supposed to do and what they're supposed to learn, they just really shine. And when you hear supervisors talk about the accolades that they give to these students for the ex excellent work that they've done, that, that's really a good feeling that uh, you know, the students have perhaps found their niche and, and really appreciate that opportunity to, uh, to apply what they've learned. Is there anybody else that really, uh, any other faculty members or uh, colleagues that really, really made a difference to you? Uh, yes, I'd like to mention uh, Roman Chapel in the philosophy program. Uh, he's been a great colleague over the years. We've had some great discussions and uh, have appreciated his his insights on in some of the committee meetings we've had and uh, that type of thing. So, uh, Loris has a has a great group of faculty and. Uh, you know, I, I'm grateful to have worked with, with all of them and, and feel quite, quite fortunate to have done so. Uh, great group of people, great group of professionals, and a great group of, peop uh, of uh, human beings. So we should we should point out too. So so you're retired, but you're not you're not gone. You're still you're still poking <laughs> uh, around Loris doing yeah, some work. Yeah, like the bad penny you can't get rid of. <laughs> um, yes, I uh, I left Loris in this in the spring of twenty and. Uh, Many of my colleagues commenting that I timed that perfectly with the pandemic yeah. and the shutdown and everything. But anyway, um, I picked up a job part-time at hy V as a stock boy and really enjoyed that. It's a different kind of work, as you might guess. Mm -hmm. um, but then I, in a conversation with my colleague, Valerie, uh, she asked me if I'd be interested in coming back to uh, oversee the criminal justice internship program, which I had done since 1997, since mm -hmm. the CJ program began, and I jumped at the opportunity. I thought it would be great to come back to Loris part-time and uh, op uh, oversee the criminal justice internship program uh, during the summer, and I'm hoping to be able to do it you know, into the fall and spring and make it a year-round year kind of activity. Mm -hmm. So, um, so I, I really like that. I have six students doing internships uh, this summer reading their journals, um, writing back to them, um, asking them questions, to stimulate their thinking a little bit, and 
we'll do a little traveling to some sites and and do further evaluations and they'll do their final paper so it's uh I'm, I'm really enjoying that it's got a lot of flexibility in it and uh kind of like back in the saddle again a little bit anyway <laughs> uh, so, uh, and i've got got my little office over in hennessy with an air conditioner in it which is extremely important these days <laughs> so i'm 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 real happy uh real happy with doing that I'm, I'm very pleased and happy that valerie asked me to come back and do this and, and so it's, it's great to be back yeah well and we'll, we'll talk about those those last couple of months because you talk about everything when kind of on its ear when the pandemic hits. Right. So your your retirement came up a little faster than you expected. I mean, you're expecting to finish out a, a full oh. full academic year, and mm-hmm. it, it yeah. cut off ab- abruptly mid March. Yeah. What uh, exactly. what was going through your head when that happened? What was yeah. what was your experience? Yeah. suddenly like, well, this is this is over. Yeah, I think like everyone else. Um, big adjustment now to going totally online and rearranging uh, courses and and expectations for students and how am I going to do this and like everyone else I think I struggled a bit to get some things in place but it but it turned out okay I think both faculty and students kind of knew the situation we were in and 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 did a nice job adjust adjusting to it um but yes it was you know the one thing that did go through my head is I just gave my last lecture on on Wednesday, and I'm not going back in the classroom to do that again. I mean, that was a that was kind of a shocker. Yeah, <laughs> it really was. And uh, um, uh, so, and then the graduation, and you know, was was different, or we didn't have it, did we? Uh, there was no graduation in the spring. We ended up uh, yeah. push, pushing it into the fall of of 2020. Right, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And the, the other thing that was nice is I, I was I was recognized at that graduation, which was very nice, you know, for as retirement. And um, I had received Professor Emeritus too, so I was very mm-hmm. pleased with that. And uh, so, yeah, all all things considered, it, um, you know, it, it went okay. Yeah, and and it's it's great to be coming back out of the, uh, back out of the the pandemic mode and getting back into some sense of normalcy. Although, I'm sure there's some things that that are going to happen that uh, will be improvements that have come out of the experience mm-hmm. with the pandemic. And uh, I'm just grateful not to be wearing a mask all the time, yeah. <laughs> like a lot of other people, I guess. Yeah, we're just working through the ongoing adjustments and yeah. changes, and uh-huh. yeah, yeah, we'll figure yeah. it out as we go along, just yeah. like we have been for the last yeah. year, right? Exactly. And uh, in many ways, perhaps it's made us made us better, made us better, made us stronger, made us more innovative, creative in terms of how we we go about our work. Yeah. So. Being officially tried part time here, but uh, what uh, what's what's in store for you moving forward? So, what what does retirement look like for you? Um, I think it's going to going to hopefully involve this continuation with the with the uh, internship uh, supervision. But then also, my wife and I are planning some trips uh, that we'd like to take. Um, you know, see some f- friends of ours from uh, Pennsylvania when we lived out there for a while, and uh, we have relatives all over the country from Washington to Arizona to um, uh, you know other parts of the country and we're just going to do a lot of road trips small road trips around the around the tri-state area and then well and then some some bigger ones and uh, our uh, 50th wedding anniversary is coming up in a couple of years a couple of years so uh, planning a, a big a big trip for that that'll be nice my wife keeps talking about uh, New York City, New York City. We were there once before. And she wants to go back again, so that would be kind of fun. And I want to see the foliage of New England. That's kind of on my bucket oh, list. Absolutely. I want to do that. Um, and uh, 
our son, our son and daughter-in-law and three grandkids are in the Atlanta region. Want to go down and visit them more frequently than just twice a year. Um, they were just up here earlier in the summer, so so that'll be nice to be able to see them more more frequently. So um, some nice kind of uh, at a at a nice slow even pace of mm -hmm. doing doing some things. Sure, and just yeah. enjoying the flexibility that retirement yeah. affords you, right? Yeah. Yeah, we moved into a, a new townhome uh, out by Key West, and so that's a different type of lifestyle. No, you can't walk here anymore. Anyway. That's right, I cannot walk here anymore, <laughs> and I do miss that. <laughs> but a townhome has its own advantages also, so we're, sure. we're, we're adjusting to that also, and uh, we like it. We like it. Right. Well, and I and I know obviously still being on campus part time, and I know you're you'll be you'll be here and there, you know, from different events, and so I know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely see you around. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to the idea of being able to go to a, a college event like a basketball game and that type of thing on a on a like I'd say a weeknight <laughs> when I don't have to get up to to go to work the next morning. That's that'll be a, that'll be nice. You know, whether it's uh, you know track basketball, football, mm -hmm. you know, that type of thing. It really frees up a lot of time to come and watch those events that I didn't, I didn't get to see that often, uh, you know, when I was working full-time. So that, that'll be a nice advantage also. Absolutely. Well, we look forward to seeing you around campus. Well, thank you. I'm looking forward to being around and surprising a few people myself <laughs> <laughs> showing up. So. Well, well, Len, thank you so much for coming in and ch chatting with me, and congratulations on a tremendous career. And I know that uh, your impact on countless Dewhawks has, has really been uh, significant. So, you know, best moving forward. Okay. Thank you, Robert. I really appreciate the opportunity to come in and speak with you and talk about my career at Loris. Yeah, well, thanks again. And, and I want to thank our producer, Trent Hanselman, and thank you to everyone who listened into our discussion. For more podcasts, as well as Loris news and features, be sure to visit the Loris Daily website at daily.loris.edu. While you're there, you can sign up for email notifications so you don't miss out on anything happening at Loris. We hope you'll join us next time for another Dewhawk Digest. Until then, take care of yourselves and each other, and go Dewhawks! <laughs>